Turn in the scripture this evening to two places, Hebrews chapter 7, 2 Corinthians 6. Are you ready? Let's pray again and release some more faith. How many believe you can get something good tonight? Because, you know, I'm, I'm a vessel, but I'm not your teacher, specifically the Holy Ghost is our teacher, right? And uh, is he interested in saying some things to us tonight? Is he interested in revealing his perfect will to us? Correcting us if we need it? Adding to us whatever we need? So let's close our eyes. Let's release our faith in this prayer. Father, we pray in Jesus' name concerning the rest of this service. We ask you for everybody to have ears open that hear and eyes that see and a heart that receives and understands. Lord, you are he who enlightens us. You quicken us with your word. Thank you. Your word is life and medicine to all of our flesh. And so, Lord, we are here together. Our eyes are on you. Our ears are open to you. Say what you would. Show us what you would. And we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace, we'll be doers. Let there come revelation. Let there come light that drives out darkness and confusion and answers questions and gives direction right now. And we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise and we'll be doers by your grace. In Jesus name. Amen. Everybody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. You do understand those are the only people who get results. Only people who get results are the doers. In Hebrews 7, verse 25, Hebrews 7, 25, says, He, Jesus, is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Is he holy, undefiled? Is he separate from sinners, separate from sin? Well, that is the title of our series that we've been into for some weeks now, Separate from Sin. Is it his will that we be this way? Is he our ultimate example? You know, I had a fellow one time say to me, he said, well, you're just trying to be like Jesus. (laughs) I thought, well, wasn't that the idea? I mean, isn't that the plan? Who are you trying to be like? You know, never take any man or woman, I don't care how wonderful they are, And set them up as your ultimate example. I want to be just like brother so-and-so. I want to be just like sister so-and-so. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're shooting too low. Go ahead. Lift your eyes up a little higher. And look for who? Press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. What is that? It's being just like him. And if you come short of it yesterday. Well don't get discouraged. If you miss it, repent, and tomorrow, hit it. And go, just like Jesus today. 
right? Talk like him, think like him, act like him, respond like him. Now, of course, if you never read the Bible, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how to act, right? Well, Jesus, our high priest, holy, unstained by sin, undefiled, and separate from sin and sinners. Go to 2 Corinthians, please, the sixth chapter now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Read whatever you have there. New Living. And I'm beginning with verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. He says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. He said, how can goodness be a partner with wickedness? What's the answer? Can't. Doesn't work. How can light live with darkness? Can't. Doesn't work. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And for the 50th time, (laughs) at least... Does God ever work with the devil? Do they have any kind of a working relationship? No. None. Absolutely none. Never. Ever. None. God is light. And in him is no darkness. At all. So there can't be any devil involvement. Right? None. And the reason I say it the way I do is because, I mean, if you've listened very long at all, it comes across the pulpits of churches all over the world. They may not just come out and use those words, but they imply that God has got some kind of a working relationship with the devil and he's using the devil for this and for that. No, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever, he said? Doesn't work. People try it, but doesn't work. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? None. For we are the temple of the living God. Who is? Not this building. We are. You're a living stone, and I'm a living stone in the house of God. Glory to God. As God said, I'll live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from them and separate yourselves from them. From what? Well, back up in the passage, from what? Well, from idolatry, from unbelief, from the devil, from darkness, from wickedness, right? Separate yourself from all that. And don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body, our spirit, and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, the King James talks about. Are there things in this life that can defile you outwardly? And inwardly. So he said, I mean, we cannot make ourselves righteous in the presence of God through any effort or work. It takes the blood of Jesus to do that. And thank God he has. 
cleansed us, and he does cleanse us. And we have been made the righteousness of God in him. But having been made right, and Jesus, you know, has been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. The scripture said, having been made these things, we ought to walk like that. And that's what this is talking about, that not only have we been made holy and righteous, but we walk holy and pure and separate from that which defiles. Now, you know, a lot of people begin to get quiet when you talk about sin and you talk about holiness because people have religious ideas. And one of the biggest reasons is because the devil has convinced so many people that, hey, you got Jesus, he's pure and holy and spotless, and you got me. And I'm an old sinner, and I've sinned, and I'm going to sin, and I'll never really be pure. And that is contrary to the Word of God, right? Why even read scriptures like this? Come out from among that. Separate yourself. Cleanse. Why read it if we can't do it? Why is it in here? Wouldn't the Lord know if we can't do it? He wouldn't have burdened us with the frustration of the impossible. Would he? Some folk needed to hear that now. Can we live upright? Can we separate ourselves from things that defile? Can we live a life separate from sin? Yeah, yeah, you can. Now we camped for a while on this thing about we're old sinners and everybody sins every day and there is no escaping it. That is a lie. You do not have to sin every hour of every day. Did you hear me? In the book of Romans, why don't you go over there? So much about this in the book of Romans. In Romans, the uh, first chapter. Hallelujah. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Let me review just a little bit more before we get into this. We have talked already about sin and we asked the question and we've answered it. And I want to review a little bit. What is sin? Now, you don't need to turn to scripture. Just listen for just a moment. Let me review for you. We said for one thing, the Bible says that uh, the transgression of the law is sin. That's in 1 John. So the transgression of the law, for instance, the law said, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. How many know if you lie, that's a transgression of the law? That's sin. If you worship other gods besides God, that's a sin. That's violation of what the law said. If you steal, thou shalt not steal. Well, that's a violation of the law. That's sin. Well, the scripture also says in James, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So there is sin of omission, something you didn't do, right? You did something that was contrary to the word and that was a sin. But here's a situation where you knew what to do and you didn't do it. Well, that's sin. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And then Romans 14, 23 says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
What does that mean? Well, one translation says it like this. Whatever is done without a sense of God's approval. In other words, if you think God might not be pleased with this, and you go on and do it, (laughs) then to you it's a sin. Right? Whatever is done without a sense or a conviction of God's approval, then to you it's sin. And we summed it all up by saying this, sin is violation of light. Sin is violation of light. And so that's why it's not just a static thing. And that's another reason why that we ought not judge each other because I don't know what light you have. You don't know what light I have. Right? And that's why to some people it doesn't seem fair because it looks like some people get away with some stuff. And others don't. Right? And when you understand this, it begins to answer a whole lot of questions. And why shouldn't we judge? Because who else is qualified to see the inside of a man or woman's heart and know what they see and don't see? And know what they understand and don't understand? Only God himself. So he is the judge. He's the only one qualified. And we need to remind ourselves all the time that when you see something, maybe you see somebody do something and you know it's wrong and you see it's wrong. Still, why shouldn't you judge them? Because you don't know their heart. You don't know what was going on in them. And you just, you know, you pray for them and, you know, we want to see them do good. We want to see them restored. Well, in Romans, instead of going to the first chapter, go over to the the fifth chapter. Actually, from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 8 especially, it is really rich on this subject that we are considering. But in Romans 5, verse 6. He said, when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now let's just go back on this. Verse 8, we were sinners. Did you see that? But verse 9, but much more than being now old sinners saved by grace. No, now what? Justify. When you get to heaven? No. Now. Now, we were sinners. Somebody says, do you say that we can't sin now? That's obvious that we can sin now. (laughs) That's been proven too many times to talk about. Why? Because you got a free will. But do you have to sin? Are we helpless before sin? Now, so we've read this in these passages earlier. Jesus took the sting out of sin. And he took the power out of sin. He took it all on himself. And we've been born again. And we've got the same life in us that's in the master. Giving us the power over sin. And we're told now, don't let sin reign over you. Right? Which means we don't have to yield to sin. 
We can go day after day, after week, after week, after month, after month, and not sin. I know there's millions that don't believe that. But if you read this and agree with it, you have to come to the conclusion. So don't say that. I'm just an old sinner. You were a sinner. If you've believed on Jesus and confessed him as Lord and you believe the power of the blood, then you are now justified. Who glory to God. But what if I sin and mess up? Thank God if we'll confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means now you are again completely justified and clean. Right? But you do not have to live a lifestyle of yielding to sin. We're to be separate from it. It's a matter of victorious living. Not a matter of superiority, holier than thou stuff. Victorious living. What is holiness? Holiness is Christ-likeness. It's not adhering to somebody's dress code or somebody's life, you know, rules. It's being like the master. Jesus did not yield to sin. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet what? Without sin. Oh, he's our hero, isn't he? He didn't do it as God. He did it as a man with no unfair advantage. Because elsewise, we couldn't relate. If he did it as God, we'd say, well, sure, you didn't sin. You're God. Right? No, he did it as a man. He was tempted. But he never gave in. Not once in his whole life. Mm-mm-mm. He's my hero, but proven it could be done. Proven it could be done. That's why none of us can ever stand up before the Father God and say, I couldn't help it. It just happened. It was just bigger than me and everybody involved in it. It just happened. No, uh-uh. No. You chose to yield to it. Right? That's why you have to repent. Confess it, admit it, call it sin, judge it, and then you can be forgiven and cleansed. We talked about all that. But keep reading here. In Romans 5, verse 12, he said, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now this is what we talked about. Sin is violation of light. Let me read another translation or two of Romans 5, uh, 13. The Amplified says, sin is not charged to men's account where there is no law. No law would mean no light. You didn't see how wrong it was. And when you don't see, even if you violate it, it's not held against you. It's not held to your account. Verse 13 in the English, he says, where there is no law, no account is kept of sins. That's why we read in 1 John 1, you know, he said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses. That's a present tense, continuous word, if you look. Cleanses us from all sin, unrighteousness. What does that mean? If we're walking in the light we have, even if we miss it ignorantly, that's not counted as sin to us. Did you hear that now? It's not counted. And we talked about this in detail. I'm just reviewing some. But the main thing is that we walk in the light. When you know something's right, do it. You know something's wrong, don't do it. And don't try to kid God. How many know you can't play dumb with God? Well, I, I wasn't really sure. You're wasting your breath. He looks right through everything. He knows what you know. Doesn't he? And what you don't. And he's not holding you accountable for my light or your neighbor's light or your wife's light or your husband's light. He's holding you accountable for what you know and what you see. Is that right? And if you do what you know to do every day of your life, you will please God. Did you hear me? You will please God and you'll walk clean and you'll walk free. Now look at this. Skip on down to the uh, the sixth chapter. Romans 6. And verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We camped on that a whole service one night, didn't we? Talked about reckoning or counting yourself to be dead to sin. Said out loud, I'm dead to sin. sin. One more time, I'm dead to sin. Now, if you always felt dead to sin, you wouldn't have to count yourself dead to sin. You don't feel dead to sin, but you count yourself dead to it. And he went on to say, verse 12, let not sin, who's the understood subject here? You are not to let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Said out loud, sin shall not have dominion over me. I'm dead to sin. Now notice this phrase. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Verse 12, don't let sin, you are not to let sin rule and reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Lust is connected to sin. Now when you say lust, so many times people's mind immediately goes to sexual things. And it includes that, but it's a whole lot bigger than that. Lust just simply means desire or craving or longing. And you can crave and long for a lot of things. Right? 
And there are some things that it's all right for you and I to long for and crave for. Right? And desire strongly. There are righteous desires. Now, you know, the word righteous is such a misunderstood word. Take the eus off of it. And it will open whole passages of scripture to you. The word is right. And the old English adds the eus. Righteous. It was translated originally right wiseness. It just means rightness. We'd probably today just shorten it to right. Is there right and wrong? Now see, people try to tell us today that it's all subjective. But if God says it's wrong, I don't care what you think. If you disagree with him, you wrong. Every time. He's right. Every time. About everything. See, people get tired of him being right. About everything. All the time. But that's the way it is. And if he says this desire is wrong. Don't desire that. Then I don't care how much part of you wants it. It's wrong. Are you with me? Now he tells us you know. In James. Hold your place here. Go over to James. The truth will do what for you? Make you totally free. It's good to be free. That's what this whole series is about. It's not about any condemnation. It's about living completely free. Free from sin. Free from judgment. Free from condemnation. Free from guilt. Oh hallelujah. It's good to be free. It's good to be free. He said, don't let sin rule over you. Sin's not supposed to be your Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Right? James. In the uh, first chapter, he describes how temptation and sin works. James 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man, who is this true with? Every man. And then somebody said, well, it didn't say anything about women. Yes, it did. <laughs> women are female men. Do you know that? That's right. Man is who God made. Male men and female men. I know that sounds funny, but that's what it is. Every person, we could say, is tempted when what happens? When he's drawn away of what? There's that word again. Drawn away of the devil? Uh Uh-uh. Drawn away of his or her own lust. Now, because people's minds get funny when you use the word lust, let's use another word. What's another word for this? Desires or what? Longings or cravings. But desire is a good word. People are pulled away from God. Pulled into sin. By what? Their own desires. And what did the next word say? Enticed. 
Well, now that is the devil there. He is the enticer. Right? But what does he work with? He has to work with your desires. Right? You don't have desires in that area. How can he tempt you? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Now, we spent some time earlier talking about that there are things we can do to make desires stronger or weaker. Desires grow stronger when you feed them. They grow weaker when you starve them. The Bible tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts of the Spirit. Doesn't it? What does that mean? Desire them. Covet's a strong word, right? What does that mean? Crave them. So is it all right to have some desires? You're supposed to have some desires. You're supposed to have some fire. Not be a pale, tasteless, milk toast. How many know what I'm talking about? Blase. We're supposed to have some spice. Right? We're supposed to be salty, the Bible said. God taste of us and go, whoo, mm, it's a spicy Christian. I like them spicy. What does that mean? Fiery. You got a fire in your belly. You want to see people saved. Not just kind of, sort of. You want to see people saved. You want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to see people healed. You want to see the will of God come out in the earth. You want to see the glory of God manifest. You want the Holy Ghost to come in and fill up the place. Talk and manifest. You don't just sit back and say, "Eh, it'd be okay. No, no. You hunger for it. You're thirsty for it. You desire it. Should we nurture those desires? How are we going to do it? One way is by coming together like what we're doing right now and provoking one another and talking about it and stirring ourselves up and listening to the word. What are we doing? What are we doing right now when we come to church? You know, the Holy Ghost through me and the Holy Ghost through the word is not nurturing your desire to get drunk tonight or to go watch pornography or to go cuss somebody out or pitch your temper fit, that is not being fed right now, thank God. Right? What's being fed? Well, the longer I talked about the manifestations of God, the more you started going, yeah, 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 me too, yeah, yeah, I want it. Right? And the more we talk about it, it's like you could not even be hungry. And you can start describing food. Right? And you can talk about how the crust is golden brown. (laughs) See, just those words, that's all I said is golden brown crust. And what happens? You begin to think, "Mm, I could take some golden brown crust. You could not even be hungry. But you start, why do you think they spend billions a year on commercials? Phyllis and I, they were watching the news, and they came on with some soft drink commercial. And boy, they zoomed in on that thing, and they showed all these bubbles and flying out of the top. And I said, man, 
I don't even like that, but that looks good. I mean, <laughs> makes you want to run, go get one. Well, that's why they spend billions of dollars. Right? Why? Because you're not going to buy it if you have no desire for it. So they, I mean, they're not just supposed to work on, you know, getting you to buy it. That's where a lot of salespeople miss it. Don't work on selling it. Don't just, you know, people too quick to try to jump on closing the deal. Why? Because you can tell all they're thinking about is my commission. <laughs> well, just because you, you want a commission, that's not how it works. They're not going to buy it if they don't want it. Right? Tell them why it's good. It's surprising to me, even on big ticket items, I've gone to places before and I knew more about what I was looking at than the salesman did. I got online and read a little bit about it and read some stuff. Well, (laughs) how are they going to make me want it? Right? Well, in Christianity, that's what the Bible says when it says the goodness of the Lord leads people to repentance. What does that mean? And that has to do with you and me. That people look at our lives and they see how blessed we are. And they see us go month after month and not sick. And they see us year after year and just get richer. And they see us happy all the time and blessed in victory. They get to want what we've got. The goodness of God manifested in our lives leads people, pulls them to repentance. But when people get up and teach that, you know, God took this baby because he needed another angel in heaven. And God sent that tornado and tore up your house to teach you a real lesson that you ain't figured out in the last 30 years what it was. But we just guess it was. And see, people, because of centuries of that kind of stuff and being cold and being dead, you got all kind of people, they have no desire. For God, they have no desire to go to church. They have no desire for their Bible. Why? They're deceived. But how many know that you should taste and see? Because the Lord is, oh, He's good. Now, you know, taste of men's junk and religion, it'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. But when you really taste of God, whoo, you'll say, oh, I got to have some more. Want some more? Some more, please, please, much more. Well, why is sin a deal? Sin. Let's go through it again. How does sin operate? Every man is tempted. Before there's sin, there's temptation. Right? Every man is tempted when he or she is drawn away of their own what? Their own desire. Their own strong longings. Whose desire is that? That's not the devil's. That's you. That's me. Right? And see, so many people have gotten in trouble because they want to come and sit up in church and act like they have no wrong desires. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. We've been sanctified. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, no, we can't relate to these people. How in the world would they do such things? No, no, no. I'm sanctified. (laughs) Even if they don't say it, they act it. Oh, no, I'd never want to do anything like that. You're telling us that you have been and you are never tempted. Then you're doing better than Jesus. Because he was tempted. Yeah. 
It all points. No, I don't think that. I know that ain't right. So what else has to be true? (laughs) Yeah, you'd be lying if you said that, right? So are people tempted? Yeah. Have you been tempted? Yeah. I've been tempted. If you're human and you're in the world, you're going to be tempted. Well, we've already made good progress just getting to right here. Do you understand that? This is good progress. Just acknowledging and admitting because people want to come and dress up and put on their fancy clothes and their hat and come to church and act like, you know, that I'm too holy to be tempted. No. Temptations are in the world and they're around you day in, day out, today and tomorrow. We're not going to be able to get to a place where we are incapable of being tempted. It's not happening in this lifetime. I got quiet when I said that. He said, oh, Brother Keith. If anybody could have done it, it would have been Jesus. Right? Was he tempted? In all points. Just like us. But here's the good news. Do you have to give in to the temptation? No, you don't. You never have to. He never did, even one time. But why are you tempted? Why am I tempted? Every man, every person is tempted. When what? They're drawn away of their own desire. So the desire is the issue, isn't it? Can you desire things that are not right? Go to Hebrews, please. Man, if we just stopped right now, we've made good progress. I could sense it. Because what happens is there's so much phoniness in so many areas of Christianity. And you got people that they know they're tempted and they know that they've fallen in the same area 900 times. And they come in and hear people talk like they're never even tempted. And they go, boy, I guess... I'm not a real Christian or I don't know what's wrong with me. Hey, everybody is tempted. If not this area, another area. Temptation is not sin. Just because you were tempted doesn't mean you sinned. Right? If it were, that means Jesus sinned. We know he didn't sin and yet he was tempted in every point just like us. Now, in Hebrews, we just read this today. What did we read? Where did we read it at? Chapter 11. Notice this. Hebrews eleven twenty four says, By faith, Moses, Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing. Oh, did you hear that? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy what? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Is there any pleasure in sin? There it is. Right? 
If there was no pleasure in it, why would you be tempted to do it? You'd have no desire to do it. Right? (laughs) Oh, boy. You can play games or you can get real, right? How many know the Bible is a get real book? It doesn't get any more real than this. Tells it just like it is and tells you how to get free. But you won't get free playing games. Pleasures of sin. Notice Moses, look at it again. He what? He refused something. And verse 25, he did what? Chose. Chose. Something. Sin is a decision to do the desire. It's a decision to do the wrong desire. It's desirable to you. You're pulled. You want to do it. Part of you wants to do it. A lot of you wants to do it. But do you have to do it? If you know it's wrong. Now see this is the thing where people have got it all confused. Can you desire to do something that you know is wrong? Just because you desire something strongly. Does that make it right? See all kind of songs have been written. About you know how can anything like this be wrong? It's so wonderful. I know you're married and somebody else and I'm married to somebody else. But how could anything so wonderful be wrong? (laughs) Well, if God says it's wrong, I don't care how you feel, right? (laughs) Or how they feel. God's not going to change his word and go, well, you know, they do feel wonderful about this. not going to change I've had people look at me before and just tell me like this is the excuse for everything so, but we're in love brother Keith what does that mean we're in love they couldn't be talking about divine love because divine love does not change and what they're talking about they're in love And out of love, they told the person they're mad with that they were in love with them. Now they're no longer in love with them. They're in love with somebody else. Couldn't be divine love because he does not change. So what is this in love stuff? (laughs) It's infatuation. And it's rooted in desire. Right? People call it passion. It's desire. I want you. That don't make it right. Don't care how much you want something. Doesn't make it right. Huh? Yeah, but I want her. Yeah, and she wants me. We're in love. That does not make it right. 
does not make it right. Yeah, but I want to do it. I want one. I want to get it. I want it. I want it so bad. I want it right now. That does it. So many times, you know, have you ever missed it buying something? Huh? And later on, you realized the Lord was dealing with you. Don't do it. He was checking you. You should have been able to see the road. You had to run over two or three signs. (laughs) Two big things you look for. When you're doing a deal, when you're buying something, when you're purchasing something, you look for the witness of the Spirit inside. And you look for favor. When God is putting something together, there'll be favor on it. You'll have favor with people. You'll have favor with situations. When he's putting it together, it'll come together. But when you don't have a witness, you just want it. And you're trying to make it happen and it just ain't happening. And you try and you're going to make it happen. And the further you go, the worse it gets. Wake up. Don't just push through that and blare through that because you want it. Because the Lord will let you do stuff. You can get stuff just because you want it. And it will be a burden to you. But when he adds it to you, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow. With it. It's just all blessing and no burden. Whoo, glory to God. We got some people in this church are beginning to experience this. You've done it the other way for years. <laughs> and some of you for decades, but you're beginning to experience this side of it. And ain't it grand? Ain't it good? Oh, when the Lord adds it to you and you're in control of your desires. When you become not just a carnal man or woman, but a spiritual man or woman. And you walk in and you see something and your flesh goes, yes, yes, yes. But you don't do that. You just go, hmm. Your flesh is screaming, take it home, take it home. I don't care what it costs, take it home. (laughs) But you keep your body under control. And you bring it into subjection. And even though your flesh is screaming, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I want it, I'm taking you. You say, oh no, 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 we'll get it. The Lord says to get it. And you turn around there and walk out of there just like you didn't even want it. Did you hear me? And you check your heart. And you check your, and no matter how much you want it, if you ain't got the witness, we wait. You put your flesh under. You control your desires. Your desires do not define you. Your desires do not tell you who you are and what you are. Right? If a man desires another man's wife, does he just say, well, I want her, so I'm an adulterer. Or can he refuse the temptation? Did you hear? Even if he wants her bad. Or she wants him. See they haven't sinned until you begin to yield to the temptation. Oh come on now are you with me? Can he do what Moses did? Refuse that. 
Was Moses pulled? He's, I mean, Egypt is the power of the world. You talk about luxury they live in. You just think about wanting something and five people show up with trays. He could have had all the chariots and horses and fine clothes. He could have had a thousand women. He could have had anything he wanted naturally. And what did the Bible say? Pleasures of the sin. Would it have been any fun for his flesh? Would there have been any pleasure in it? Yeah, and that's where people mess up because they try to tell people there is no pleasure in it. Well, why would people do it? There is some pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. Doesn't last. And after that is what? The wages of sin is death. There is pleasure in sin and there is pay for sin. And the pay is death. Death. Look in uh, Hebrews 1 while you're here. In Hebrews 1 and verse 8. He says unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. You have loved righteousness. Or in other words, we've talked about that word. You've loved what? You've loved what's right. And you have hated iniquity. That's another King James word that just goes over people's head. What does iniquity mean? Things that are wrong. Iniquity. Wrong. You could just say it like this. He loved what's right and hated what's wrong. Look at the results. Therefore. Now why is the therefore there? What's it there for? Therefore. God, even thy God, has anointed you. With what? The oil of gladness. Why? Why was he anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows? Why? Because he loved what was right. And he hated what was wrong. And because of that, he was anointed with gladness above everybody around about him. Oh, this is something the devil does not want you to know. The devil, oh, he does not want you to see this. If you hear it, he doesn't want you to believe it. What? That the happiest people are the holiest people. The happiest people on the planet are the holiest people. Oh, come on now, come on. The most satisfied people on the planet are the most sanctified people on the planet and the devil will lie to you and tell you that the opposite is true he'll tell you the more holy you are the less fun you have oh no because he tries to convince you that the only way you can have fun is to sin but is it true did Jesus sin never was he depressed 
Was he bored in his life? Was he depressed because he never sinned? Was he one that never had fun? Why? Well, we're holy around here. So we don't have fun. Oh, no, no, we can't do that. We're holy. So a lot of people that call themselves holiness people, all you ever hear them talk about is what we don't do. And what we don't believe in. No, we don't believe in that. Uh-uh. No, we don't do that. We don't believe in that either. No, uh-uh, we don't do that. No, we don't believe in that. No, certainly not that. No, no. We don't. No, we don't do that at all. Well, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, understand it's not possible to just live in a vacuum all your life. And your whole life consists of what we don't do. If all you're doing night and day is what you don't do, what are you doing? (laughs) Probably all you're doing is thinking about all the stuff you're not doing. (laughs) And about how deprived you are. (laughs) And if I could only go out and have a little fun. Jesus never sinned, but he was the gladdest of the glad. Why do people party? Why do people do all this? Well, they're trying to have fun. They're trying to get some pleasure. They're trying to enjoy themselves. There is pleasure in sin. But it's just in the flesh. And while you're doing it, while your flesh is enjoying it, your spirit for the child of God, your spirit is grieved. And when you get through, all is left is gravel in your mouth. And death. You had some pleasure while you were doing it, but is it worth it? And what else is it going to cost you? Because the devil will tell you, oh, you can do it. Nobody will find out. And then he'll be the very one that'll tell them. Bring it out. What else is it going to cost you? A relationship? A position? Your blessing? Your victory? Your confidence? Your faith? Your communion with God? Too high of a price to pay. What sin is worth that? What amount of temporary pleasure is worth forfeiting? All of that. Nothing is worth that. There is nothing pleasurable enough to forfeit all that. Oh, but friend, just because you don't sin, just because you forfeit the temporary pleasure of a sin, doesn't mean you can't have pleasure. Oh, glory to God. There is righteous pleasure. And there's a lot of it. And it goes on and on and just gets better and better. I got to give you some scriptures. Go to Psalms. Go to Psalms. Look at some of this. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm. In fact, go back up to Job. And we'll work our way through Psalm a little bit. Job 36. I'm going to read some of these to you. Mm-mm. Job 36, are you there? Job, you go to Psalms and just back up a little bit, you'll be there. Job 36, 11. 
Job 36, 11. If they obey and serve him. If you obey and serve God. You'll be broke. And you won't have any fun. But you'll be saved. When this life is o'er. And by and by. We'll rejoice. Well that's man's ideas. That ain't what this says. I said that's not what this says. What does this say? If you obey God. If he says it's right, you do it. If he says it's wrong, you don't do it. You obey him, you serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. This ain't the pleasure of sin for a season. This is the pleasure of God that lasts forever. That you got no condemnation. You don't feel bad about it. There's no reason to feel bad about it. Nothing wrong with it. (laughs) Pleasures. Go to Psalm 5. I'll give you some more of these. Mm -mm -mm. Can we pass up the temporary pleasure of sin? Yeah, we can. Can we refuse it? And choose the things of God? Like Moses did? Yeah, we can. Yeah, and be honest with yourself. You know, you don't have to tell other people, but you can be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I want to do that. My body wants to do that. My eyes want to look at that. My mind wants to think on that. My ears want to hear that. If not, there'd be no, nothing to tempt. But God says it's wrong. That's all I need to know. Right? If he says it's wrong, I refuse it. I refuse it. And I choose the things that please him. Because you see, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So when he's pleased, what do you think is going to happen to you? You're going to be pleased. You're going to experience pleasure when he's displeased with you. I don't care how much money you spend on yourself. I don't care how much sin you get into. You can't be happy. If God's displeased with you, you can't be happy. Can't get away from your insides. Oh, but when God's pleased with you. Man, the grass is greener and the sky is bluer. And the birds sound better and everybody looks better. And you feel better. When he's pleased with you, you experience his pleasure. Because he's in you and you're in him. Mm-mm. Lord, help me to express this further. I mean, you enjoy putting your socks on. I'm going to say, what do you mean by that? I did while I go getting ready to come to church. I'm just sitting on the side of my bed pulling a sock on. I just said, glory to God. Putting my sock on. You see, there are people that are cursing the day they were born. And got all kind of stuff and doing it. Why? Because they're not right with God. And if God's not pleased with you, you can't enjoy anything. I don't care what you got. I don't care how much money. I don't care how many houses you got. How many cars. You can't enjoy riding in them. You can't enjoy wearing it. Nothing. You can try. You can put on something for a little bit. But then when you quieten down, there it is. God's not pleased with you. You know you're violating your heart. You know you're violating your conscience. Can't get away from that. 
Oh, but you can by the blood, no matter how badly you've messed up, you can confess it and ask God to forgive you. And he will, and he'll cleanse you. And now today, you can do what pleases him. And when you please him, oh, I was riding back from a meeting one time. This had been in another country and some good things had happened and we'd worked real hard and and some things had gone good. People got saved and people got healed. And I was riding back on a commercial airliner looking out the window, the long trip. And I just closed my eyes. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for healing. Those. We had some miracles. Thank you, Lord, for doing those things. He spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice inside my spirit right there on the plane. He said, thank you. You almost wonder, is that right? <laughs> he said, thank you for going. Thank you for doing what I told you to do. I'm pleased with you on this. Oh, when he said that, man, something went through me. And I'm just as content as can be sitting right there in that little chair with my peanuts. I mean, I don't need another thing to make me happy right now. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, glory to God. You're just thinking, God's happy with me. That's why I breathe. That's why you breathe. That's why your heart beats. All things were created for his pleasure. That's why you exist. I know there are a lot of people that don't know it and they doubt it and they scoff at it. But it's why every human being on the planet exists. Why? To bring him pleasure. What pleases him? Doing his will. Pleases him. And you cannot be happy in this life if you don't please God. Cannot be. What you do, you show me a miserable person, I'll show you someone who is not pleasing God. Every time. Can it change? Just like that, in a moment's time, you can change your heart. You can repent and begin to seek his will and please him and live to please him. What Jesus say? I do always those things that please him. And because of that, was Jesus happy? Why do you think little kids wanted to be around? He just walk into town and never a little kid in town run, grab his leg. Little kids don't want to be around depressed, grouchy folks. Do they? Who do they want to be around? They like being around happy people. They like laughing and they like dancing and they like playing and they like having fun. Night and day. And they loved Jesus. They saw him and they'd run for him. Why? He's fun. He's happy. He was anointed with gladness. Gladness was on him like a cloak. How many understand that's a side of our Lord that has not been preached? People see him at the cross in agony. That's all they see. No. I assure you, you could walk up to Jesus on the street and look at him and it wouldn't be just a few moments. You couldn't help but smile. You'd go, Hi. <laughs> and he'd go, Hi. And you just want to move over a little closer and go, I like being with you. 
Why? He is life. He's joy. He's love. He's peace. He's gladness personified. And all this grumpy, judgmental, fearful stuff that people have called Christianity is a misrepresentation of our Lord and Master. I know we had a a relative one time came to one of my meetings and they sat on the front row. We got them some special seating and they came in and about five minutes into my preaching, they just busted out laughing. And then they looked around and went. And a few minutes later, they went, <laughs> they busted out again. And they looked around and they went. Because <laughs> see, they're taught, no, 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 you don't do this in church. And they tried to tell us later, they said, I couldn't help it. I just kept laughing. Why do y'all do that in church? I couldn't help myself. This is church. What do you think we're going to do in heaven? Sit around and solemnly look at each other for eons and go, yes, bless the Lord. And then you holler from across the way, yes, amen. Oh, no. No, no. On the streets of glory, they're shouting, they're singing. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it lasts forever. And it just swells and grows. (laughs) Have you found Psalms? You got a few more minutes? Let me give you these before we go. Psalm 16. For time's sake, just go to 16. Psalm 16, 11. Whoo. Talking about the Lord here now. says, Thou will show me, what? The path of life. And in your presence. What does it mean you're full of joy? What does it mean full? You got a cup that's full of milk. What does that mean? You can't put no more milk in it. Right? You put any more in it, it's going to run out because there's no more room. What about fullness of joy? It means you're full. You can't take any more. You're just full of what? Joy. And keep reading. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand, which the Bible said we are already seated in Christ at his right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures. Pleasures. Do we have to run after the pleasure of being high on drugs? Huh? Is that the only pleasure a person could ever have? We have to run after the pleasure of sleeping around. No, 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 we don't. Because we have superior pleasures. We have divine pleasures that are right pleasures. Nothing wrong with them. 
Let me read another translation. It said, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. But we got something in front of us, friends. This is just the very beginning. This is just the first fruits of what's coming. What are we going to do with ourselves? It'll be good. The English version says, you show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. How many know his presence brings you pleasure? When he manifests his presence. That's what I was describing on that airplane. That's what happened. Holy Ghost got in a chair with me. Right? Why? Because God was pleased with that particular thing and segment of our activity. And when he's pleased, I can't help but be pleased. Because he's in me. And his pleasure is in me. So I'm having pleasure. Because he's pleased. Do you understand what we've said? Now the only way you can have real pleasure is when he's pleased. So because of that, the holiest people are the happiest people. The most sanctified people are the most satisfied people. Hallelujah. Two more real quick. Psalm 35. Psalm 35. I'm glad I came tonight. I'd have preached this just for myself to hear it. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let them what? Shout for joy. joy. And what? Be glad. glad. But wouldn't it change the world if people would just obey the Bible? (laughs) See, you've got millions of Christians who don't believe in shouting. They found fault with people like us. Oh, all that emotionalism and fanaticism, that's not necessary. It's because they're ignorant of the word. Right? When the Bible says, let them what? Feel it deep inside. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Shout for joy. There ought to be times when you lift up your voice and you just shout. And you're glad. You shout because you're glad. Be glad. That favor my. My what? There it is again. Righteous which means. Right cause. My right things. Yea let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. How often should you say this kind of thing? He said you say this all the time. Let the Lord be magnified. Which has. Pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That's why I got to keep preaching it. I don't care how many ugly letters I may get. I got to keep preaching it. Why? Because the Father has pleasure in your prosperity. People are confused about it. They find fault with it. But the Father has pleasure in it. So we must stay on it. Does it say he has pleasure in your poverty? Can you find that in the Bible? Then why are all these doctrines preached? 
Why are all these variations of it believed? Does God or does God not take pleasure in your prosperity? Does does he enjoy it when you do good materially and financially when you're loving his right things? Is that right? You love his right things and what he says is right and you're pursuing it and you're just getting blessed and you've got stuff and you've got money and you've got things. Does it please him? He has pleasure in that. Just like any father would their child that does well. He takes pleasure in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One last one in Psalm 36. Well, let me back up to verse 5. 36, 5. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How excellent is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. And they shall be abundantly. We said the most sanctified is the most what? They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness, we'd say today, the richness of your house. And you will make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light shall we see light. Glory to God. All this goes together, doesn't it? You see light and you walk in it. And then you get more. And you see light and you walk in it. And what happens? You're satisfied. You're satisfied inside. And he continually causes you to drink of his pleasures. There is no life like this life. There is no life like the sanctified life of the redeemed. There is no life of such joy and gladness. You can't find it in a bottle. You can't find it with a pill. You can't find it with a train load of money. You can only find it in Him. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.